Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. It's already March. I know that's small talk, kind of. <laughs> but I think as you get older, uh, time even moves faster. I feel like February was barely here. And it's already March. And also, I've got to go get my eyes checked again. My vision has just gone to hell, everybody. Like, I have to turn my phone light on at restaurants to read the menu. I don't know what's going on. What is going on? Well, um, I want to thank Josh for filling in last week. I had a family. uh, It was, uh, I swear, school has so many breaks. We had winter break last week, so, um, yeah. No time, but we had fun. Me and Milo had a lot of fun. Milo had that off. Minnie had uh, Minnie had daycare still, so that was okay. But me and Milo had fun. Did a lot of crazy stuff. That was cool. Um, but I want to thank Josh for filling in, and you know, Josh posts all this stuff. Make sure we get up on our YouTube channel, and and uh, also. Writes all the explanations of the talks and really does a lot. And I'm just really grateful for Josh. He is such a great guy, and I could not do it without him. Um, yeah, it's been a, I've been a bit of a tough week, you know. Um, despite the, I mean, just not even just not, not to mention the fact that you know, there's a war going on in the world that's really horrible. Um, you know. I've just had some personal friends going through some stuff. And it was really, had really dark interactions this week with, with some folks trying to help people. And uh, I don't think I can really go into too much detail, but it was really, really a sh- really tough, tough, shocking week uh, with, you know, with my work. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm glad, I'm, 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 I'm Glad to be here. I'm glad to be back. This is what I love to do, and I'm glad that you guys are here. And so we're in Galatians 5, finally. Um, We've really stretched this one out, but I think it's good. I think it's good to stretch it out because I think it's a lot to take in, and and it's good to look at. I also just got like this new, I mean, I'm still using my Bible, but I got this, this, uh, I guess everything's backwards, I think. So the new Oxford Annotated Bible, Um, but it's... It's the fifth edition, and they update it like every two years and with, with really cool study materials, and so I've been using that. I just got that, the fifth edition. Um, I had the third edition before, and it was really great for my work, so anyway. There you go. Thank you. Uh, I see that Trisha just wrote in. I hope you're doing okay. Yeah, you know, I'm hanging in there. Um... 
you know, when you see people that you care about's lives fall apart and suffer and you're, you become, you know, you're, you're basically helpless to help them, you know, when you're, when you're helpless to help other people, it's, it's, uh, it's really tough, you know, you don't want to see your friends die. Um, and at the same point, you know, you kind of have to turn them over to your higher power. It's tough. It's really tough stuff. But, uh, yeah, maybe talk about this more later. Um, but yeah, so Galatians, so finally made it to Galatians 5. Um, I'm excited about it. We might cut it into two parts. I was, today I was just like, ah, oh, it's a lot. But let's see where we go. Um, let's see how we get there. And because, you know, 16 uh, through 26 is... You know, it's like a talk on its own. You know, it's really cool. I mean, it's like a talk on its own. So as we were, last time I was here, we were going through four and kind of looking at that. And five is sums up four. I think if you, if, if you wanted to judge the people who put in chapters in the Bible years later, <laughs> um, they did the worst job in Galatians on Galatians 5 because it's still like... Galatians 4 is still happening, guys. Um, but yeah, Galatians 5 starts out with the slave, but of the free woman. No, no, that's the part. That's still 4K. One, for freedom of Christ has set us free. Stand firm and therefore do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Um, and of course, what Paul's talking about, the yoke of slavery is... You know, legalism, uh, all these religious hoops that we have to jump through, um, you know, circumcision, you know, certain holiday, all these just these different things that separate us from each other. These like religious things that, and he's going to nail into that a little bit more. But what I thought was, is I, I thought was interesting for the freedom of Christ has set us Free, stand firmly, and therefore do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And really, that's what legalism does, is it kind of, it is like this yoke, you know. And when he says yoke, you know, he's not talking about an egg. You know, it's talking about the things that they would put on their, their, their horses or cow or cattle, you know. And it would go over their neck and you'd steer the cattle to, to farm, you know, and that was it. And sometimes... Um, when I'm like, don't be, be equally yoked, you know, that old chestnut is really when two animals, you know, and you don't want one, two different type of animals or two, a taller animal or a stronger animal because they would drag the other animal. And so you had to have like this equally yoked to be able to do your farming and steer your thing. But the still thing is that you're not really steering it when you're yoked, you know, you're not really in control and, uh, you know. You're being used and being for work. And so, so Paul is reminding us that this is what the law does. This is what legalism does is it, it basically makes us a pet. You know, it basically makes us a workhorse, you know. 
and that we're guided by it and not by our own lives and not by our own selves and not by our own passions and not by our own love and that type of thing. Um, so it's really important to remember that. I've seen it so much in the church over the years and it's almost second nature for people and I see so many, you know, Christians just jump through these hoops or have these ideas and just have this way of thought and they get in their own bubbles and they think that this is how the whole world acts or this is how the Christian world's supposed to act. And, you know, I mean, going to high school and I remember being judged by the kids, the church kids, you know, because um, I was in and out of their churches a lot trying to figure out if I wanted anything to do with God or not. Um, but there was like this train of thought and that they had to act a certain way and be a certain way and then they becomes adults and then they start to think similar ways and and then you take kind of like the how like almost like toxic like toxic waste how we've been in like an infection like the church has got like this infection of like capitalism in the United States <laughs> and American <laughs> Americanisms have, have got into that infection you know, and then the politics and conservativeness and all this stuff. And it's like we're all being kind of, you know, yoked to have to think a certain way and vote a certain way and do a certain thing, you know. And it's like we want to break free. And a lot of us, when we do break free from that yoke, you know, break free from our chains of legalism, we just run as far away as we can, you know, and, uh, and I don't blame people for that, you know, don't want anything to do with the church, don't want anything to do with Jesus or Christianity, you know, because it's like, no, this is, they were, you know, directing me, they were directing my convictions, I couldn't have any convictions of my own, you know, and um, so, yeah, no, no, Steve, capitalism is really destroying Christianity because, see, capitalism offers us, sorry, we had a comment and somebody wants to argue with me, so I'll argue for a second and then I'll get back online. But, but capitalism says, here's something that can make you happy and make you whole and complete a promise. A lot of advertisements or cars or homes or things like that and fill a void. This is the basics of it. And so then we fill that void in, and Jesus was pretty much a socialist, so that's really weird. Um, but, you know, so, so it promises this completeness. But when we get that completeness and that wholeness, we realize it's not there. And then we want more, and we want more. Capitalism, at this point in, in our, our history, is why people at McDonald's don't make enough working full-time to be able to pay their rent go to the doctor. That's why I can't go to the, like I have health insurance, but I don't have dental insurance because I can't afford it right now. You know, um, it's why we pay more for uh, drug, <laughs> drugs, prescription drugs in this country than any other country. So, you know, it, it'd be worth, there, there's a really good book um, written by Todd McGowan and it's called Desire and Capitalism. So Steve, if you want to come back and talk to me about it, that would be a really good book to check out before you get into this dance with me. Um, so yes, anyway, sorry folks. We have, we, and, and, and Steve, I'm gonna say, we all argue well here and we try to be nice to each other. So feel free to argue, you know, cause we can argue well, but I'm just gonna let you know that 
that's kind of how it works. Anyhow, um, in my opinion, those are my two cents, but we can disagree and we can disagree well here. So that's, 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 it's a great point to do it. And I'm just really kind of groggy and tired this morning. So, <laughs> um, but grace is, you know, grace, you can't earn grace. Grace is this freedom. Grace is, and that's what this whole book is about is, is grace isn't about, you know, how do I earn it? You know, but legalism is, how do I earn it? You know, how do I, how do I make this work? How do how do I become complete by being good enough and earning it? And, and, uh, and grace is free, you know? You know, grace is for everybody. It's, I, I always say grace is like anarchy, and I'm not an anarchist, but grace is like anarchy, is though it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, what part of community you're a part of, what people you're a part of, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's for all of us. It's for your enemy. You know what I mean? And, and that's what I, I, I love, you know? I, I really love that. So, um, so grace is, is, you know, for all people because we all fall short. We all fall, you know, and that's what, what, what's happening here with Paul is he's trying to get these two groups to show each other grace and saying there is no male nor female. There is no Jew nor Gentile. There is no slave or free. There is no hierarchy. There is no lowarchy in any system. He's saying we're all equal. We're all one. We all play our part. You know, and so Paul is making that very clear here that it's like there's not gender roles, there's not leadership role. You know, we are all one in Christ. You know, I mean, and he shows that too really cool when, in the beginning when Paul goes, you know, I went to speak to Peter and Peter had a great reputation, but what his reputation was made no difference to me because God has no favorites. We're all equal. And um, so God doesn't give a damn about your bank account or, uh, you know, status. And I like that because I grew up in a time where you kind of thought the pastor might have the special hotline to Jesus, you know, or have more insight, you know. And now I'm debating with people who have doctorates in, in theology and I'm all self-taught, you know. And kind of Paul's look on that has really helped me a lot with that. Um, you know, and then the great thing is, is like, you know, John and second, first John, I think it is, where it says God is love, you know, that kind of thing. Those things are really cool to pay attention to. Anyway, let's go on with this. Um, we didn't get very far, did we? No, I always say a buzzword and get myself in trouble. Um, Galatians uh, 5, 2. Listen, I, Paul... I'm telling you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Once again, I testify every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the entire law. Now, I like how Paul does this because Paul does all this kind of stuff like, you know, if you've been circumcised, you're cursed, you know, and you're like, what? Oh my God, I got circumcised last week. What am I going to do? You know, Paul always does this setup. He does it in Romans 1. So good that people just take it as the first part as law and then they kind of ignore the second part. But Paul does this. Paul has these like roller coasters of, 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 of letters and, um, and tricks. He's like, gets us all riled up and then gets us all riled up again. <laughs> um, 
But, but he wants to make it very clear. And this has got to be hard for the Judaizers, which is the group of Jews in Galatia at the time, to hear. Because this was so sacred to them. This was a sign from God to them. And now they have one of their own people coming back and saying, it makes no difference. Jesus with Jesus, it makes no difference. You know, and they're seeing Jesus as the Messiah and they thought Jesus was going to come fulfill all this stuff. And now they're hearing that it makes no difference. And, you know, and it's so funny if you think about it. In our culture today, we, oh God, we're obsessed with genitalia. We're obsessed with pronouns. We're obsessed with all this stuff and, and, and its importance and its value. And really, this is what's happening here. Except it's the Judaizers going like, no, you know, you've got to be circumcised. It's a sign of God. It's a mark of God. It's a mark of who you are in this culture. It's this and that. And Paul is saying it makes no difference. Matter of fact, if you do it, you are under the law. And if you follow the law, you have to follow the whole law perfectly. You have no excuses. You have to follow. The, so there you go. You're back in the law. And... Um, and this is where it'll get cool where I'll explain to why we're all obsessed with genitalia and, and what Paul really has to say about it. But here right now, it sounds like Paul's saying something harsh, but let, let's follow the Paul's thing. If you want to be justified by the law, you have cut yourself off from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Um, we're about to get to the other part in a second, but I love this fall from grace because there was actually a TV movie about my parents in the 80s called... <laughs> Fall for Grace. Bernadette Peters played my mother. Um, it was pretty cool. Um, no, I, I didn't really like the movie, but I was also, I think, 16 or 17 when I saw it. I haven't seen it since. Um, but this idea of fall from grace is people think it's like when you make a mistake. And that's why I wrote a book called Fall to Grace is because it's like, you know, you know, it's not about when you make mistakes, you fall from grace. When you fall from grace is when you try to do it on your own. When you fall from grace is when you think your works are good enough to get you into heaven. When you fall from grace, it's when you think you are somehow better or superior to another. You know, I feel like I often see this in politics on both sides, where people start to get this superiority in, about themselves, and they think that they're more important, or, they're, they're, or they have a leadership position, or they have a lot of power, and somehow that, that's what's important to them. And when I look at that, and they kind of come obsessed with like man's system or, or any system. And, oh, this is the system that I'm going to, to be big in, you know. And I see it on both sides. I see the conservatives do it. I see the liberals do it. I see the woke people do it. I see the super right people do it. I see teachers do it. I see preachers do it. I see people at work do it. We all get into this thing where we want this, this authority through like man's Thing, and we think that this is what's really valuable. But what Paul is saying, like, if this becomes your number one value, that's when you've fallen from grace. When you think you really deserve this, you've fallen from grace. Now, I used to really not be a big fan of original sin. Um, but what I've realized about people is, is that we do, we all have fault. We all do fall short. You know, life is really tough. You know, and we all have contradictions in our lives. None of us are perfect. We all have struggles. We all have our faults and our failures and our, you know, strange desires and, and different things like that. And none of us are perfect. Um, and almost trying, tr trying to be perfect becomes an idol. 
uh, rather than learning how do we live with contradictions that we must live with and then change contradictions that we can, but, you know, but also living in the dialectic, being okay with that is tough. Um, but getting caught up in, so when we fall from grace, it's really when we think it's about us. And we think about it's what we do or what we don't do. I'll never forget when I was like, I must have been 18, 19, and um, I had already started revolution with some friends, and I was, and I was uh, taking a break from revolution. I was staying outside smoking a cigarette because I was away from revolution, so grabbing a cigarette when I was. And I told my friend D.E. Polk, I said, I think God hates me. And he goes, why? I said, because I can't get my life together. I want to smoke. I have lust. I'm going to do all these crazy things. And, uh, and, um, and he goes, Jay, he goes, what you're doing is, is you're making Christ's death in vain. And I went, what? <laughs> he goes, you're trying to earn your salvation. You know? And, um, and, uh, And it blew me away. And, year, and probably a year later, I asked him to show me what grace was, and he actually pointed me in the direction of the book of Galatians. So that was pretty cool. Um, real quick, I, I don't really like to do this. I just like to remind everybody, like I know you guys are having a passionate conversation on the Facebook uh, talk, but please argue with respect and argue well. You know, Be nice to each other. Um, Try not to take low shots or be ridiculous, you know. We really are trying to be a community where we can be a community of diverse thinkers and that where we can argue well. And, you know, if some of you are like, oh, I love capitalism, you're that's awesome, great, you're welcome here. If some of you are like, I love socialism, that's great, you're welcome here. Um, that's what we want in this community. If people who, who disagree, we want people who are atheists and theists and Buddhists and whatever, people who come with different trains, you know, Democrats and Republicans, believe it or not, to come together and have tough conversations. That's what this community is about. It's not just a you know, diversity of thoughts and ideas as well as face, color, and sexuality. We want us all to be able to come together in this. And uh, so please, you know, argue, but argue well. Don't go straight to war. Allow conflict to sit and have some conflict. Conflict is good, um, but just don't take the, try to take the high road with each other. And uh, you might learn that you, you get really good friends who don't agree with you and you learn a lot more about life when you have friends that you don't agree with um, and that you can have really hard conversations with. And the next thing you know, maybe the world's beautiful and then maybe we realize that we can all change the way things work in this country together and that maybe they're manipulating us to be against each other and we don't even realize it. So just argue well, talk well. Or you could also might realize that I'm completely wrong and then you can get together and tell me. How fun would that be? So if you want to be justified by keeping the law, you have cut yourself off from Christ. That's pretty heavy. And that's what D.E. was telling me. You have fallen away from grace. For wait, for, for wait for the hope, for eagerly, we, for we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. Now, do you see that? What, what Paul just said there? Not only do we... 
Circumcision and non-circumcision, it doesn't matter. You know? And, I, and, and so he's trying to tell this community, like, if this is a custom that's important to you and you guys want to do this, a matter of fact, I don't know many, I know most people in this, in this freaking country who aren't Jewish <laughs> are circumcised. Um, you know? So I'm circumcised. Hey, there you go, in case you're wondering. Um, but, but, it, but Paul's saying it doesn't make a difference. What makes a difference is if you're doing it to somehow be above other people or somehow to be a spe God's special person or to follow certain, certain, to seek God's approval, this doesn't do it. It doesn't matter. You know, so it doesn't matter if you're circumcised or I'm sorry. It doesn't matter what your genitals look like. You're not special or not special because of what your genitals look like. You know, if you have a giant penis, well, God bless you, brother. You know, whatever people say. But the point is, it doesn't matter to God. You know, it doesn't get you into heaven. Um, it doesn't make you accepted. And I don't even really like to think about heaven. What I like to try to do is encourage people to realize that you are accepted. That you, are, you are accepted by that which is bigger than yourself. And, 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 and Paul here is saying that. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. And I think about Corinthians 13, that love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. I love that love endures through every circumstance. So love endures through, if, you know, if your friends are canceled, love will endure that and you'll stick with them even if it makes you feel bad. Um, you know, uh... Yeah, Heather, I know I did too. That was weird, huh? <laughs> or, um, you know, the, 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 the um, you know, love never, get, never gives up, never loses faith, always hope, endures through every circumstance. So and what I love is that I think love never cancels anybody. Love never cuts anybody off. Love never destroys anybody. Um, love is always looking for a way to restore because it's never giving up, never losing faith, always being hopeful, enduring through every circumstance no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. You know, and to me, Corinthians 13, four through seven is pretty jam. Uh, doesn't rejoice in, 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 in injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. You know, it's way more than for weddings, Corinthians 13. Um, and that's what he's saying. He's like, what's important is faith expressing itself in love. So like, why would I stop my talk to say, hey everybody, let's make sure we argue well. Well, the reason to do that is because I wanna, that's what's important. Community, like that's what's important. Like all the things I'm talking about are great and awesome, but what is going to change the world is if you guys go from here and turn off your computers or your phones or whatever, your headphones and, and you, you go, this might, that moment might, might ring in your brain of like, oh, you know, I'm gonna not cut this person off. I'm gonna argue well and see what's here. You know, that's what is going to affect the other. So faith expressing itself through love is really like the other. How do I treat the other? Who is the other? You know, um, and we often want to make the other like, oh, it's black and white or physical appearance or things like that. But it's, you know, in this country, in this world, I mean, like you see in Ukraine, you see Russians people killing Russian people, you know, and the, and the troubles in Ireland, you know, you Irish killing Irish, you know, um, but the thoughts that were different, 
But the thing is, is if we can bring these, these, this, 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 the disconnect that we may have with the other and find a way to connect it, even if there's contradictions. You know what happens sometimes in, in philosophy when two contradictions come together? You get something that's higher than even truth. You get like a reality. Uh, you get I, what, I, what Tillich calls uh, the God that shows up when, when the God of your understanding disappears, the God beyond God, the God beyond God. And to me, that is the authentic God. Uh, something that none of us can, it's just is and isn't, but it, it is and isn't at the same time. Um, and so when we have that faith expressing itself in love, we're going to look at each other going, I'm never going to give up, I'm never going to lose, Almost, I'm going to endure through every circumstance. So think about how, much, how many circumstances in our culture today we don't endure through. Like, you know, our favorite artist says something stupid, you know, or somebody famous does some, says something bad or wrong or, you know, supports the wrong political party or, you know, gets accused of something and, and we just throw them out, you know. And, 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 and Paul's saying, well, love endures through everything. It doesn't throw anybody away. It doesn't say that there's not consequences, we're not saying that it's just like, oh, lollipops and, you know, rainbows and no one gets in trouble. Um, but, what, <laughs> but what it's saying is, is that it, it will go through you with those circumstances. We're going to read that in a second and hear again what, we're, what he's talking about. But, but love never gives up, never loses faith, always hopeful. And what is important is not circumcision, not how you, what you do, not what you do with your, don't do with your genitals, not... Uh, <sighs> being Jew or Gentile, slave or free, Republican or Democrat, gay or straight, but what's important is your faith expressing itself through love. That's the valuable thing. And that's why I will stop a talk and say, hey, argue well, because that's important, is that we're able to have conversations. Because that's what's going to change the world because we need to be a community. You know, and where I learned that is not just from the Bible. I learned it really from reading a lot of Dr. King's stuff because he had such hope for, the, for white people that we would change for the better. And that we would all judge each other, you know, based on our character, not on the color of our skins, our skin, you know. And, um, and that, you know... I know here why I think it's important, why, why I would, also another reason why, why I think it's important to stop and say, hey, let's argue well. is because we need each other. We're a small community, you know, and this community doesn't need to get smaller. Honestly, this community, I'm honestly surprised that this community is not way bigger than it already is, to be honest with you, because I think we're talking about some great stuff. And, um, and I think we have a great community, and I'm surprised we don't have more people here. Um, but, it, but we need to, you know, we need to be, this community needs to grow and this, this, this idea of, of, of arguing well and, 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 and being different and different thoughts, man, think about that. If, if that set off in countries, it doesn't even have to be America. In other countries, if we got this idea of arguing well and, and tolerance through love of, of growing with each other, even when we agree and we don't, we, 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 we learn to compromise well. We learn to find bigger truths and contradictions you know, and, and realize that that's part of world, the world that we live in. How beautiful would that be, you know, anywhere? And that's what I hope we're all carrying. Just a few of us here are carrying out to the world. Um, so we are going to cut 
five into two parts because this is a long one. But I'm going to go on because this is, I think we're going to nail it at the, the, the end of this day, today, the end of this, this, this uh, part of Galatians. Okay. You are running well. And that means like your life, living your life. For Paul, the run in the race is like, you know, kind of looking back at your life. Uh, you were running well. Who prevented you from obeying the truth? Which is really funny that he uses the word obeying <laughs> the truth. Because <laughs> the obeying is, means you don't obey the fact that you're accepted and you need to love each other and not obey any of the other truths. Um, such... A persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast leaven the whole bunch or batch of dough. You know, and that's true. Like legal, a little, little legalism comes in or a little bit of like, you know, oh, hey, we're better than them. Or, oh, you know, we're really the cool ones. You know, don't, you know, don't, you don't get me wrong. You know, that kind of comes in and, and ruins everything. I am confident about you in the Lord that I will not think otherwise. But whoever it is that is confusing you, I will pay, will pay the penalty. But my friends, why am I still being persecuted if I am still preaching circumcision? So he's trying to say he's not preaching circumcision because some of the circumcision party is trying to say, they either say like, oh, Paul's crazy or no, Paul preaches circumcision too. Um, in that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. The offense, the idea that there's just a dead man on the cross and not a god sitting on a throne in the, in the, in the, in the sky with sunshine around him, that, that offense is gone. I wish those who unsettle you would castrate themselves. Now here again we get classic Paul, like man, the man of grace, you know. We have the, the book of grace. And only in Paul's book of grace does he wish people would castrate themselves. You know, like, it, this is Paul, you know, and talk about your contradictions. This guy has a lot of contradictions, you know. He's like, love your enemies, but man, I really wish my enemies would just castrate themselves because I'm really angry at them. Matter of fact, I would maybe castrate them if they would like to be castrated. You know what I mean? So it's like, this is Paul. So Paul does, Paul, in the middle of this talk, just like we did, just like we argue with each other sometimes here and sometimes go a little bit far, Paul does the same thing. You know, we should cut your balls off. I mean, that's what he's saying, okay? This is Christianity. You know, this is, this is, the, this is the guy who's, bring, who's like really saw grace and is trying to fine-tune it for us, and this is the book that it gets fine-tuned in, and I just think it's quite wild that... The, the author wishes people would castrate themselves. So that's pretty, pretty nuts. Um, for you, and it could also be saying, you know, also I just wish you'd cut yourself off from, from this church. I don't know, but something's going to get cut off if he, if he had his way. Um, for you were called from freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not... Use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in this single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's an interesting thing too, is 
it is where he says, um, do not use this as an opportunity for self-indulgence. And for some reason, whenever I hear self-indulgence, I think of sitting in a big tub eating uh, bonbons. And I think that might be a commercial from like the 80s. <laughs> like, oh, self-indulgence. Like, oh, I've got my, my special bubble bath and my bonbons and relaxing. I'm indulging. Um, but, you know, I was taught like self-indulgence was like listening to music and things like that. But I think what he means is self-indulgence is like, isn't, you know, thinking that your way is the only way. Becoming of one mind and one idea, one thought. Um, and, because um, freedom was very different when you kind of like life expectancy was to like 40 and you were like married at 13 and things were very different in this culture. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure they had some of the self-indulgences that we have. Um, but anyway, I, I just wanted to cover that because I, I feel like, like for me growing up as in the, in the church, it was like self-indulgences was like, you know, lust and, and sex and rock and roll and, you know, whatever hanging out with the wrong crowd and it just does it's not biblical i mean some of that's biblical but not all of that's biblical stuff and it's a lot of it's taken out of context because we don't look within the context and the time um you know the straight out of compton <laughs> album cover i saw one that said straight out of context the other day and i really liked that um yeah so it <laughs> lisa made a good point it doesn't mean anything fun i promise <laughs> Because I'm going to have some bonbons and a long bath after this talk. Because you guys make me crazy. <laughs> um, Calgon, take me away. That's how old I am. Um, but this is what I love. This is my favorite part of this. And you all should just use this Paul's quote and tweet it and text it and Instagram it. But this is this is this will show you the point that we're trying to make here, and we're going to end on this today, and then we'll end we'll we'll end the rest of five next week. But he says, if however, okay, 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 let's just go right back up a little bit. For the for for the whole law can be summed up in a single commandment: you shall love. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Then it says. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. You see what it's saying? Like, if we bite and devour one another, make sure you're not consumed by one another. And, and I found this to be so true in my, in growing up, that I watched my parents devoured by the media, devoured by the church, capital C, all, you know, mainline denominations and low-line <laughs> denominations, you know, evangelicals, Catholics, you named it. They thought my parents were a joke. Um, the media, uh, most people, uh, politicians, there was a, a small group of people who really stuck by my family and I always appreciated them because I was like, wow, that was really brave to do, but not many people. And, and watch them bite and devour, you know, and, and, and to be honest, my father is like a shell of himself to this day because of it. 
And, uh, you know, and I don't know the effect that it had on my mother's health, but I know that it was tough on her as well and tough on me as a kid to watch. So people don't realize that they don't think cancel culture is that bad, you know. Um, but I, what I experienced with my family is like my mom is finally getting some recognition through the through movies. Elton John's doing a musical about my mom that'll be coming out, I guess, in a few months. I don't know. I'd like to talk to him about it. If, but um, and and you know, Jessica Chastain's up for an Oscar for her performance as my mom. You know, but it's like Hollywood and folks from the gay community who've like who've like helped my mom's legacy come back to life in a positive, shown a positive light on that. You know, um, but you know, anything I do, I'd still son of Jim and Tammy and always says fallen, blah, blah, blah. Like, so, you know, when we put the, the scarlet letter on the family, we don't realize that it, the kids get it, that my kids will probably have to deal with it to some extent as well. I know my nephews and my sister's kids have to deal with it. So why do I hate cancel culture? Cause I've been a part of it. You just called it something else back then, you know? Uh, I don't like division, but I guess the best thing about division is in this world is when they do cancel, there's a half a group that says don't cancel them. But what's weird is it's usually the conservatives, even though they kind of invented the cancel culture. They're now the ones who are being like, I don't like cancel culture. You know, so there's some good stuff over there. Maybe we could learn from them. Hey, what? Oh, hard conversations, arguing well, what do you know? Um, and that was one of the also I learned from Dr. King. And, there, you know, is he always sat down with me. Even people who didn't recognize his humanity, didn't recognize him as a human being, as a person. He sat down with them and talked to them. And because he did that, I'm sitting here talking about him. You know? And he changed my life. And I want to make the world a better place, not just because of Jesus, but because of Dr. King as well. You know? That's pretty cool, right? So, so, but that's what, what he's talking about here. He's like, he's talking, what Paul's saying to this community is if you guys bite and devour one another, if you cancel one another, you will destroy one another. You must learn to live together in community. You must learn to argue well. You know what? If you want to be circumcised and you want your children to be circumcised, do it, but don't tell the the, the, the Gauls or the Gentiles over here that they have to be circumcised. You know, if you still feel like it's not, that, that it's against your convictions to eat meat, sacrifice to idols, okay. Hey, and you, you Gauls over here, if you come over and they don't want to eat that meat, you don't eat that meat either, you know, because that's loving your neighbor as yourself. You know, you don't have to flaunt your freedoms in front of each other. You know, you can learn to respect each other's differences rather than biting and devouring one another because of our differences and destroying each other. You know, I mean, I honestly can say like, this is what's weird for me is like, I've learned all this great stuff from Tillich and from Dr. King, uh, from Paul and Jesus and all these Bible guys and, and Hegel and Rollins and, you know, a lot of, a lot of cool folks in my life. Uh, Malcolm X, Joe Strummer, Johnny Rotten, um, Chuck D, you know, it goes on and on. But, uh, but also, if there wouldn't have been a group of people like conservative folks <laughs> in the 90s who said, 
you know, this guy's a little bit crazy. And I don't know if he sees us, sees with us eye to eye on this, this stuff, but let's give him a, let's give him a place to meet. You know, if it wasn't for conservatives who'd like, hey, we don't see eye to eye with you, man, but we're gonna give you a place to do your church. And matter of fact, we're gonna help you put on your concerts. And we know you're gonna have concerts that are like Christian bands and non-Christian bands. And we're not sure how we feel about this, but we think you got something here. We believe in you and we're gonna let you do it. And that was conservative folks doing that. You know, the, all those Christian festivals I was speaking at that helped me make a living before I became gay affirming and they decided to cancel me were Christian festivals, but that's where I learned to cut my teeth. That's where I learned to have hard conversations. That's where I learned to, you know, I mean, I used to have people want to fist fight me after sermons, but they still let me be there. So what I'm saying was, is that I do now look back at it as back in the, in the middle of it, I felt like I was being bitten and devoured. But when I look back on it now, I see that these people were letting me be there. And I, what I see today in today's culture is that we don't even want those, we don't want anybody a little bit different. And so I have to say that I am grateful for people like Cornerstone Music Festival who, who thought I was too way out there and they still booked me to speak. I'm thankful for Life Fest that still booked me and let me speak. I'm thankful for youth specialties that was like, God, this guy's crazy. We still let me speak. Even after I did a three hour talk and I was only supposed to do 45 minutes, they invited me back the next year. You know, so it's like, we don't need to bite and devour one another. You know, we need to love each other. And, 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 and the group I'm talking about, uh, the, the church I was a part of was Safe House Outreach, you know, and um, it's still there. It's a really amazing group in Atlanta. Um, and even like the, 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 <laughs> the Assemblies of God Dream Center out in LA let me work there for like a, almost a year doing revolution and they just thought I had lost my mind. Um, so what I'm trying to say is, is we got to see, we got to, we got to be able to willing to have these tough conversations and maybe make room for, for, for differences and, uh, maybe learn from each other, but it's, it's tough. It's tough not want to destroy people, but if we, but, but, but Dr. King said, love is the only force capable of turning an enemy into a friend. And I truly believe that. And I really do believe that that's why Paul here is saying, Become a slave to love, loving your neighbor as yourself, and beware of biting and devouring one another. This is the message of Christianity. So if you want to follow Christianity, that even if you don't believe in Jesus, but you still think it's a great idea or whatever, you know, you have to love others, and that includes your enemies. And you never give up, you never lose faith, you're always hopeful, and you endure through every circumstance with them. And what you realize is, is what I remember my mom used to say is people are people. We're all made out of the same old dirt. And it's true. We're just dirt. We're just people. And when you start to look at it that way, maybe you can, uh, uh, maybe not forgive a person's arrogance when I see arrogance in leadership, but you know, you might be able to sit down with that person one day and say, why are you arrogant? Are you insecure? You know, you've got this job. There's no reason to add to it. You know, you don't need to be arrogant. You're here. You don't need to treat people cruel. You've got this place, <laughs> you know? People need to be loved. People need hope. You know, help people fall asleep at night. You know, a lot of people are working nine to five jobs, having to come home and feed their kids and are barely making it. We gotta help, you know, we gotta encourage these people and love these folks. So thanks everybody. Um, 
I really appreciate the time. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we're going to stretch out Galatians as long as we can this, this, this time around. Um, like I said, you know, continue to argue well and have the tough conversations. Um, I'm seeing it happen, and it's really beautiful, and it really makes me just, what keeps me going is when I, I, I see you guys practicing this stuff, and it's really cool, and it's really encouraging to me. And, it, and then again, it reminds me too, because all of a sudden I want to yell at somebody, and then I go, oh, wait, what do I... <laughs> Zoe did that, and oh, I talked to Zoe about that, and now I should probably do that. Okay, yeah. So it, it's it, you know, man, talk. I'm you know, Zoe practices so much of this stuff. I, I like to preach it, but Zoe likes to practice it, and I learned so much from that. Um, so much. So anyway, if you like what we're doing, and you would like to support what we're doing, you can just go to revolutionchurch.com. The first thing is, a, is donations. We just put it obvious because it's really hard to get donations at this point. Um, uh, this has been a, uh, the past two months have been really, really tough financially, and um, we really could use your support. I am, I am trying to get to be a better leader and do this kind of stuff, but um, we really could use your support to, to uh, help Revolution. And so if you like what we're doing and you want to stand with us and, and help us kind of do that, you know, you can go to revolutionchurch.com and you get your tax right off. And um, it's pretty cool, I guess. I mean, it would be really cool for me because I'm doing this and I'm also trying to be a dad half the time with my life and single dad and, uh, you know, pay, pay rent and do all the stuff that you're doing. And I'm trying to do it this way. So uh, if that's something you want to do, because we'll, We'll be able to do more too, as well, and get out there and be in more markets if we're able to, you know, do that. So, if you want to make a non, uh, non-taxable, it is taxable, a tax-deductible donation to Revolution Church, go to revolutionchurch.com, click on the donation button, and uh, yeah, keep this thing going. Thank you, folks. Appreciate it. You make this possible. We can't do it without you. Love you a lot. Bye bye. listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.